Welcome everyone to the second Parliamental of 2017. I'm here as ever with MP and MVP, Anne McLaughlin. MVP? Yeah, most valuable person. <laughs> I thought Thanks very much. I thought, I thought I started this podcast a bit sick of fancy. <laughs> so, right, okay, MVP, how, I like it. Yeah, well, how are you doing, Anne? Yeah, I'm good, I'm really good. Cool, you've also got a cup of coffee for good uh, podcast foley there, a lot of... <laughs> Uh, well, you've uh, you've told me, Jerry, that I'm allowed the occasional slurp. Keeps it so real. I Keeps try real. not to, though. <laughs> well, I thought I'd open the podcast with asking about um, Ailey Whiteford's bill, which is quite a big bit of news, obviously. Isn't it just? Yeah, so her bill passed in the House of Commons the other day. Yep. Um, and I think after that, it's going to go to the Lords now. So it's mm-hmm. basically as far through the Commons as it can get. So mm-hmm. like, what does this bill mean for women now at this stage? Because like, it seems like there's been a lot of cross-party support for it and people are excited about it. So what does it mean that we're here today? Well, first of all, what it means for the SNP is, I mean, it was hailed as a historical victory. Historical? No, historic victory. Anyway, great time in history. When you look back to history. <laughs> right, maybe you might, you might want to yeah, cut that out. First draft of speech, first draft of speech. We'll smooth it out, we'll smooth it out. Basically, it's the first time that the SNP has managed to get a bill through the House of Commons ever, ever, ever. Um, and Ailey Whiteford just did an incredible job. What it means uh, for women is that the UK signed up to the Istanbul Convention, which is about the protection of women and girls from violence. And it gives them certain rights. I mean, there's a whole load of different things in it. Um, but it's basically about protecting them and giving them rights so that they have to be supported and protected. Um, now, we signed up to a couple of years ago. I say we, the UK government signed up to it a couple of years ago, but they had never ratified it. They kept saying they were going to ratify it. Both Ailey and uh, my colleague uh, and friend, Gavin Newlands, um, the MP for one of the Paisley seats, Paisley... South, I think, um, Edit. had uh, <laughs> had been pushing for this, and Ailey decided to put it forward as a private members' bill, and um, yeah, we got support on all sides, and we got enough people, usual filibustering, from some of the Tory Egypt MPs, but uh, they didn't win in the end. Uh, we did, so great news. But it's, it's sad that it took like a, a thing as a, an obvious open goal as domestic, you know, abuse and abuse of women to kind of unite the parties. Like you're saying, it's the first one we've had accepted. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of sad in a way that this is the first one that was accepted. That was something yeah. so had to be so universal, you know. I, I mean, sometimes as well though, they don't want SNP ideas or legislation to get through simply because it's the SNP. So they could have stopped this, and I wouldn't have been surprised if they stopped this on those grounds, um, but thankfully um, they didn't. I nearly fell out my chair when I read that Theresa May was calling her, calling her MPs to support it. It wasn't quite a three-line whip, or a two-line whip, or a whip of any description, but um, she did support it. To be honest, we had to make sure there were 100 MPs there to make it quote it, so uh, that was the first concern. And both the Tory and Labour whips were really cooperative in getting enough people there. I spoke to some Labour MPs I'm friendly with and they said, oh yeah, our whips have said, you know, we need this number at least to go. And it's tough. It's a tough ask to ask people to go on a Friday um, because that's the day, the the main day you've got to do stuff in the constituency. But yeah, but all the parties united. Just on that point on Friday, I suppose it's interesting. Like, I mean, even for you, you your constituency is 400 miles away. Obviously, you're mm-hmm. interested and passionate about this. But yeah, for, uh, for people who think Friday for MPs, you be in the work but actually you've got all that you need to go back to your constituencies and do work you know with yeah. the local people as well i mean we've got i mean i've got a team of people you know 
doing all the casework and doing all the stuff for constituents, but sometimes it's held up because they're waiting for me to make decisions about how we proceed with it. I need to catch up with the staff to find out, you know, what cases are coming in. I don't want any constituent of mine, I don't want to not know what uh, they've brought to us. And plus I've got organisations, community groups to visit, sometimes, you know, uh, housebound constituents. So there's an awful lot that you do on a Friday surgeries. I had to get people to do my surgeries for me. So it is a huge thing to, to come in on a Friday, but it was no bother to me. I mean, I obviously was never not going to support it. Mm -hmm. Um, also, I suppose on a kind of similar theme about um, maybe not as serious, but the sort of uh, the experience of, of of women. Now you talked about women in politics on TV recently, so you've been a bit of a, a TV star, I noticed. Yes. So you were on the Victoria Derbyshire show to yes. talk about the abuse that women in politics can get, yeah. and I suppose more specifically the kind of sort of crap that you've had to, yeah. you've had to experience. So, um, I mean, what, what was the background to being on that show? Like, why was it they came chapping at your door to come on it? Um, I think it was because uh, a while back I'd done another TV piece when um, a number, I mean hundreds, a hundred odd uh, women MPs responded to a survey that Radio 5 Live did and that resulted in them looking for people to speak to them. I spoke to them, that went out on TV a few weeks ago and I think that's probably why it was. So I got a, a text, I mean this is very unusual for me, I, I'm, I got a text saying could you do live BBC, a BBC um, interview live at half past 10 and it was quarter to 10 in the morning? And I am the opposite of spontaneous, particularly when it comes to stuff like that, because I like to be prepared to the nth degree, even though I know I probably don't have to be. I just like to be. But of course, uh, Graham, my partner, and the rest of the team keep saying, you have to say yes to more of these things. So I promised I would, so I just said, yes, okay. So it was a bit of a, ah, but basically they were, it was because Diane Abbott had suffered all that horrible racist and misogynist abuse. Um, and she'd written a piece about it in The Guardian, and it was on the back of that. So it was myself and Don Butler. Uh, one of the Labour MPs and we were just talking about the abuse that we'd experienced and our concerns for women who would come into politics but don't because they see the abuse that we get. Mm -hmm. And I suppose um, one thing is I know that people might think politicians should just take it on the chin and they're going to get abuse and you know if you're if you're a politician and a senior politician especially you get it in the neck but the experience for women and men is very different in that regard. Men tend to get comments about their competency Mm. They might get a wee comment that they're fat. That might be about it. That's mm. as serious as it gets. Whereas women sort of get like torn apart. Every yeah. facet of their personality, yeah. their body, everything sort of gets yeah. ripped. And, and that's what you were kind of talking about in the show, wasn't it? Was that you, you didn't detail some of the stuff. And I'm not going to ask you to detail it. But people basically just take female politicians apart only. To be honest, the reason I didn't detail it is because I, I have this policy of not reading when, when it starts to come in. And it always, I don't get, you know, the odd tweet. It's if I've said something that's annoyed a set of people, I get loads of tweets or texts. Uh, not texts, sorry, they don't, not texts. I'm not giving out my mobile number. <laughs> I get all but, these um, telegrams <laughs> choking yeah. on my letterbox. I get pigeons arriving at the window. No, um, I don't really read it. I, I read the first couple and then I stop reading it. Somebody else reads it and uh, screen grabs them and reports anything that needs to be reported but um no i uh what was the question you asked me there <laughs> just asking about how you, how you deal with it really and, and i suppose like... oh about about you saying that that some people think politicians should take it on the chin mm -hmm. right 
Well, I don't think that. I don't think anybody should have to put up with bullying and it is bullying and yes it is very different being bullied when you're in a position of some kind of influence and some kind some kind of power uh, because I know I know the difference I've been bullied when I've been in no position of influence and I've been bullied as an MP nobody should have to put up with it it's never right but you're right it is different for women but I have to say do you know my sister was sitting next to me and I showed her it I showed her the interview and uh, the bit where I said I've had all sorts of advice on how I look including you know what to do with my face including putting a paper bag over it and my sister laughed out loud at that. <laughs> that's seen support that's what you need, I know. isn't it <laughs> sisterhood <laughs> literally um, but yeah uh, yeah I think women do on the whole get more and and to be honest uh, Don Butler um, and Diane Abbott, both black, both get some vile, racist, nasty stuff. And I'm sure people have read about it. If you haven't, go read about it. It's hideous. I'll just give you one example because uh, Don Butler um, said that she was questioned when she was in. There's two lifts. Uh, uh, for every lift, there's a second lift. But if there's a vote on, it's for members only. And she was in one of those lifts one day and a an MP turned to her and said, cleaners are not allowed in this lift. He assumed, because of the colour of her skin, which is the only thing we can think made him assume it, that she was a cleaner. Nothing wrong with being a cleaner, but why make the assumption that she's not a Member of Parliament? Rude, mm -hmm. rude and, and racist. So at least I don't suffer racist abuse. I'm yeah. very grateful for that. And I suppose it goes to that day-to-day -day experience about that's not, that's, that incident isn't something that's going to be in the paper. It's not very public. It's not social media, but it's just day-to-day. -day, that sort of stuff must just really grind people down. Yeah. Or, or could really grind people down if you let it get to you. If you let it. But I suppose the difference, like I said, about being in a position of influence is it's far easier to build that sort of glass jar around you where people can't affect you like that. It's easier to do that when you're in the position that we're in. Still doesn't make it right, though. Well, you're saying when that sort of stuff kicks off, so you, you, you said in the Derbyshire interview that you um, basically... Don't see, don't look at it. There's no point to it, I suppose, because it's not going to be constructive. It's not going to help you out. You're not going to get a go. Oh, that's a good point you made there, mm. actually, mate, halfway through it. So, um, so it's good. Yeah, that's a good it. point you made that I really need to do something about those wrinkles on my forehead. <laughs> yes, I'll go and get some fillers, yeah. shall I? It's like, thanks for that advice, mate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I suppose you're saying, what well, you're saying, you, you know, you had emails when you, you spoke about Trump in Parliament because you're there. So you must, like you're saying, you must hear the drums on the distance. You know, yeah. you suddenly your, your notifications build up and you know it's just time to just step away. Yeah. Because you're not going to get anywhere with and no one's going to move forward. Yeah, and I'm surprised at myself that I do actually have, I think it takes a bit of resolve to do that and I'm not noted for my resolve <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to personal stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite surprised that I do do that but I really genuinely do not read them and I'm not going to. You asked a question on Monsonat. Now that's a place that I love to say but I know <laughs> nothing about it. So what is a Montserrat? What is what, a Montserrat? And what happened? A Montserrat is a Caribbean island. Um, a British overseas territory, I say through gritted teeth. Um, Montserrat uh, was... The reason I, was, I did ask a question about it, so... Right, I have a friend called Kenny, who is otherwise known as Bass Warrior. Any reggae fans out there will know Bass Warrior because he is uh, the best uh, reggae DJ in Scotland. Um, he works at the dental clinic or is it the eye clinic? Anyway, one of the clinics on Suckell Street. Um, but uh, at night and at weekends, he is Bass Warrior. Anyway, um, he used to do some gigs for us when we ran the African Caribbean Centre. He's a good friend. He's from Montserrat. So when I got an invitation to have tea with the Premier of Montserrat nice. in the House of Lords, I thought, oh, I'll just pop along and say hello just to get a selfie and show it to Kenny. 
And um, so I did. Uh, but it was very interesting what I heard. Um, so, um, do you know, it, it's a Caribbean island with very little tourism. There's very little development because they had a volcano and an earthquake over 20 years ago. Um, but the population is 4,922. And there's, in addition to that, there are a thousand in uh, the UK. Well, um, and so the Premier of Montserrat said we receive aid from Britain and that's great and all the rest of it. But in actual fact, we would like the money to be redirected so that we've got more rather than aid. We don't want to be receiving aid forever. We were self-sufficient until the last big incident 20 years ago. We want to be self-sufficient. So we're looking for strategic capital investments to develop things like um, our tourism industry. Now, who wouldn't want to go to a Caribbean island with a population of less than 5,000? And um, so um, the next day we were able to submit uh, a bid to have questions for international development. So I did, and I got my question. So I asked about it and asked if the minister would meet up with the all-party group on Montserrat to have a chat through some of the ideas that the premier had come up with, Donaldson Romeo is his name, to some of his ideas uh, to better, you know, make better use of the money to enable them to become self-sufficient and to no longer require money from the UK. This is the his, his aim, not mine, no longer require money from the UK and to enable any Montserratian, chin or whatever you call it, Montserratian, um, who wants to go and live in Montserrat and help to build that economy, to do that. Now, that's a great aim, right? And it should be something that would appeal to the British government. So they've agreed to meet with the all-party group. Brilliant. So there you go. From me just saying, oh, Base Warrior will love it if I go and meet this premier. So Base Warrior, T in the Lords, redevelopment <laughs> a monster. Aye, that's it. Base, Base Warrior, this is, this is the start of his campaign, isn't it? <laughs> so look what I managed to secure. I know. <laughs> but it is an interesting thing about, about aid in that regard, isn't it? Is that um, there's, when it comes to aid, there's a, usually a lot of strings attached to it and what you can, mm. spend, you can spend things on aid. And, yeah. and uh, people, people um, a lot of, kind of right-wing folk complain about the aid we give to their countries. And you think, well, even the aid we're giving to their countries frequently, is it, is it geared towards development? Or is it just to sort of just keep them ticking along and, and that's that's not good for them? So if we can develop things and yeah. start some commercial activity in Montserrat and get them built up, then... All the better for them. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't really, I'm going to look into this because I don't really understand fully the relationship between us, uh, well, between Britain, sorry, and overseas territories. But um, we certainly have some kind of say in how they are run and therefore we have a responsibility as well. Um, but I find it intriguing because some of the, the, the conversations between the Premier and some of the people from the House of Lords, uh, uh, the kind of indicated what the relationship was, just made me want to read a bit more about mm -hmm. it. So you're getting that whole weird thing about where, like, all these islands that we've got are kind of a say in, a half say in, a, a third share in. Yeah. We've got all these bits and bobs around the world. Like, people forget we, we don't have an empire anymore, but we've got a lot of things that are kind of yeah. <laughs> half-connected to us. And I'm not entirely sure what it all means, but, um, yeah, and I don't want to say much about my observations of the conversations, um, just because I want to... Yeah, I want to find out a bit more about it before I say any more, but I find it um, concerning that relationship between overseas territories and Britain. Also, and you co-sponsored a debate on unaccompanied child refugees in Greece and Italy. So, um, like, how did you? How did that come about? What was? I mean, I don't want to give the, to give the title away. You know, that's what it is. But so, what was the debate about, and why was it you called it? Or we co-sponsored it? 
Uh, so we thought it was quite important that, that I mean, any, anybody can approach the Backbench Business Committee and say, next time there's a slot for Backbench Business, we'd like a debate on such and such. And it's held in the main debating chamber. And um, yeah, so I was approached, I can't even remember who it was that approached me, but I was approached by one of the other MPs uh, to see if I would be the SNP's co-sponsor um, for the debate. And of course, I said yes. Um, so it was Heidi Allen, who's the Conservative MP, who I keep saying to her, I have no idea why you're in the Tories, because she <laughs> disagrees with practically everything that they say and do. Um, but it's great because she's new, same as me, and she has a real... Uh, she has guts to speak out, and she does, and she certainly does when it comes to uh, unaccompanied children in, in Europe, who we should be helping and we're not. So it was her and Alison McGovern, and who's the Labour MP for the Wirral, I hope I've got this right, and Tom Brake, who is a Lib Dem, um, and myself. And we did a couple of articles in a couple of different papers, um, and we got a lot of really positive feedback because we were working together, um, and UNICEF, they they gave us they gave us quite a bit of support as well. So, um, I would like to put on record my thanks to them. Um, so yeah, so the debate went ahead, um, and I think you had mentioned to me uh, earlier about Hannah Bardell tweeting. Yeah, I saw that you were retweeting the Hannah, Bar Hannah Bardell comment, which again, I was I was failing it under just grim Tories again, you know, <laughs> but there's more to it than this, obviously, so. Well, no, but um, I think what she said was that one of the Tories, Tory women had said we had to stop being so sentimental about these children. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, she was aghast, but having sat on the Immigration Bill Committee last year, I'm not aghast. Mm -hmm. I am not surprised. It is still sickening, however, that people can think like that. Well, I've had a couple of conversations on my Facebook page this week, if um, you know, where people have said, but we've got to look after our own children first, and we can't do that. And I've just had to say to them, yes, we can do that. We can do that. We have the money to do it. We're wasting money on all sorts of other things, tried in the House of Lords, um, uh, wars, you know, bombing people. We've got money, you know, we, we just have to use it properly. And plus, we've got a responsibility. And they're children, for goodness sake, they are children. Anyway, so I've been having this debate on my Facebook page with people. And, and some of them, to be fair, have been, you know, listening to what I've said and... You know, I, I find that such a shame when you see people because I, I saw that because um, I stalk you online, as you know. Mm. <laughs> um, I saw that debate on your Facebook page, and it is really sad when people who nominally, if you ask them about anything else, they would be probably left to centre, mm -hmm. really, really big into social justice, and they care about you know being screwed over by governments, and they hate. Yeah. But they, they've still been put in this hole where they where they perceive that they've got such limited resources that they yeah. have to look after their pals or their mates, and that's like an yeah. understandable human. Yeah human things to look after your wee group first uh -huh. but it shows that they've been beaten <laughs> beaten into this corner where exactly. they just assume that that's how things are that we don't have a lot of money and we realize that we are a very very we're one of the, like the fourth richest fifth richest country on earth um and we choose to spend it on a lot of rubbish exactly and i mean what i was trying to say to them was exactly that 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 this is what the tories want you to think they want you to think that it is these immigrants if you like it's their fault so that you don't notice that it's actually their policies that are causing, you know, hardship for children born and brought up in, in the UK. It's not the, and it's the whole, whole divide, divide and rule thing, you know. We will divide you, we'll turn you, you know, 
immigrants with no money against uh, uh, you and indigenous people, if you like, with no money, when in actual fact they should be joining together, supporting each other. But I think sometimes it is just people have never heard that argument and then they, and in my experience is that people do listen to the arguments. They'll still argue back with you, but you can see that people are beginning to understand. And also sometimes I find people when I'm having this conversation with them, they're a bit, oh, oh no, now what am I going to do? Because they realise that they can't use that argument anymore. Where's my easy argument? You know, but you know, you have to keep, you have to keep going. But anyway, so yeah, so the debate was had um, and it raised a lot of awareness mm -hmm. and it got a lot of conversations going like the one on my Facebook page. It hasn't made the government do anything, no. of course. But you also got a lot of attention in the press, did you know? It was yep. in the paper and stuff. We got loads of uh, coverage in the media, which was good because it means that people are now more aware. And also it means that people will see that it's not just the SNP banging on about it or it's not just the Labour Party going on about it. Or it's not the Tories and some people will never listen to anything the Tories say. It was all, it was four parties coming together. And and when they see that, you know, you get a much greater mass of people open to listening to the arguments. But um, you couldn't attend in person for that debate, which <laughs> must have been a real kick in the teeth as a co-sponsor, you know. Um, so what was it that meant you couldn't, you couldn't go to the debate? Well, so just to explain how it happens is you sign up to co-sponsor a debate. And then one one of the MPs will go to the backbench business committee and they will decide which day, if they're giving you the debate, they'll decide which day. So the only day I couldn't have made was Thursday, uh, the 23rd of February. And the reason I couldn't make it is because six months ago I was asked to speak at a conference in Edinburgh that day. Um, <laughs> So I was actually away in Edinburgh speaking at a conference on community empowerment, which, as you know, is one of my great passions. So I was presenting at that, so I couldn't be at the debate down there. But of course, it would be the week where we have to be there on Friday. And honestly, if you'd been reading my tweets on, was it Thursday night? So Wednesday night, I had to get the sleeper up. You and the sleeper on, my God. Oh, I know. But it was great. It was really good. I loved it. <laughs> um, but including the sleeper, on Thursday, I was on 11 different pieces of public transport. Wow. So, well, well, I just bore you with this. Go for it, go for it, yeah, yeah. So the sleeper, and then I got a taxi back to the house, because obviously if you're on the sleeper, you've not had a shower, and I wouldn't inflict myself on people on the 38 bus, so I got a taxi, so that was a taxi and a sleeper. Then later on, I got the bus into town to get a train to Edinburgh, um, got off at Haymarket, went and did the thing which I'll talk to you about in a minute because it was really interesting. Then I got a tram to Edinburgh Airport, uh, got there nice and early, which was a huge mistake. Um, I never get anywhere early, but it was a huge mistake because the flight was delayed by a couple of hours. Except they didn't tell us that, they told us in stages, it's delayed by 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Then another 30. And oh, you know how you've been sitting comfortably at gate seven? Well, now you have to go to gate 19, which is three miles away. Anyway, so I got a tram, which was fun, to the airport. Then I got a flight eventually to Gatwick. Then we had to get a bus from where the plane landed to the terminal. Then the shuttle from the terminal to um, to the train station at Gatwick. Then the Gatwick Express to Victoria. 
then an underground to Westminster, and then a bus to Elephant and Castle. So that was 11 modes of transport. Uh, and I moaned like anything, and somebody I, came I, on. I, I, don't, I don't see you moaning about this. <laughs> yeah, you did. I can't imagine. <laughs> you must have not been there on Thursday night. <laughs> and somebody did the usual sort of, uh, you're an MP, you've got nothing to moan about, stop moaning. And I just said, look, I'm enjoying it. It's getting me by. It's mm-hmm. passing the time. Let me moan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, it was a bit fraught. Because I had to be back in order to vote on Ailey Whiteford's bill yeah. mm-hmm. the next day on Friday, which is not normal. So, it was a very unusual week. Mm-hmm. And then I got the train up the road on Friday <laughs> afternoon, I know. Was that a sleeper by any chance? No, 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 no. But I was sleeping on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was um, the, the talk you gave in Edinburgh then? What was like? So, what was it that... That, that dragged you back up and took you back down again. All right, so it was Holyrood. Uh, Holyrood Magazine is part of a bigger company, they've got Holyrood Events, and they'd organised a conference on community empowerment or urban land reform. So um, the Community Empowerment Act, which I've talked about before, basically what I was talking about was how uh, more deprived communities can take advantage of the Community Empowerment Act to... Um, uh, well, to take control of assets or land or whatever and the challenges that they face because when you think of community empowerment and you think of previous land reform it tends to be rural communities so the Scottish Government wanted to encourage urban communities and they've done that and I think I've said before but I'll just say it again that the first ever community project to get an urban urban community project to get money from the Scottish Land Fund was Bermulloch Community Development Company which is in Glasgow North East and I said I want us to lead the way because we really want to work uh, as, as a team, uh, my team want to work with people in the community so that they can take advantage of it because, um, you know, as you'll see later this week, there's something coming out uh, which I won't go into at the moment, but some coming out where we've documented every derelict building, every piece of waste ground. Now when I say we we've done it in collaboration with Commonweal and uh, and it was Vary Love who was the researcher who led on this, pretty sure it's been published this week anyway so we want to lead the way. So I was basically um, talking about, you know, the challenges for more deprived communities. And yeah, it was great. It was great. It was great to listen to other speakers. Um, and, and actually, they all said, well, you were the only one that actually talked about, you know, made us think about, yeah, the different challenges that, that face communities that are not already running community facilities. They're not already, you know, they don't have accountants and doctors and fundraisers and... Yeah, a place where there's no sort of maybe like community body there where there's not a history where it's been handed down or people can come in and join and then yeah. take over with start from scratch. Exactly. But what there is is people with needs, people with ideas. There is the land, there are the buildings that's been held back from people. There are the skills there's just maybe not the confidence in the community cohesion and that's where we come in, but not just us. We met other organisations on that day who will do the hand-holding as well. We're still looking, um, and you know, just because we've got lots of other things to do, we're not always actively looking, but we are still looking for a group of people, for anybody in Glasgow North East who says, look, this community needs this and here's what we could use and we would like to look at doing that and we're looking for a group that we can hold their hand um, and, 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 and lead them through it. And Graham Campbell in my office works with a lot of community groups. He trains them in fundraising, capacity building, but he's going to hold the hand of a group and take them through the whole process. We'll bring in other supporters and organisations so that it will definitely be successful. And then we can say to the rest of the constituency, look, these people had no 
community organisation set up. They thought they had the skills, but they didn't know it. They didn't have the confidence. They didn't have the knowledge. Now they've got everything. They've done it. And if they can do it, you can do it as well. So that's my idea. And it's a bit like an avalanche effect. You know, hopefully then as that group yeah. continues and grows, other groups will spin off from it. Other people come and learn and it'll, you'll have facilitated that forevermore, yeah. basically. And those groups, that, that one group that we work with, my, my idea is that they will be, this, they're the sort of pioneers, if you like. Because, I mean, although Barmalaka Community Development Company were the first to access uh, urban land reform, and I really, really would not want to take away, I would not want to take away from what they've done, but they were already set up, they were already running buildings and community centres. We're looking for a group that are not, we're looking for people that are not doing that, but who love the idea of doing it for their community. And and those people, I think, will be the pioneers in that respect. And they'll be the people that we'll be sending out to talk to other groups, or not. we'll not be sending them out. They'll be sending themselves out, and they'll be going out and supporting other groups to do it in that avalanche effect, as you said. Um, there was some really uh, distressing, frustrating news that came out over the past couple of days, and that was Sadiq Khan, former pal of Scotland, who made mm. some controversial comments. Do you want to kind of walk us through what he said then and, and what you think about it? Oh, he basically, I mean, he was speaking... First of all, sorry, Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London. Oh, I sorry. I, I, so, Mayor of London, former MP and Mayor of London. He basically uh, uh, was coming to Glasgow... Or was it Glasgow to speak at the Labour Party conference? Uh, Labour were having like a pub lunch or something. Yeah. <laughs> and he came up. A half empty hole somewhere. I don't actually know where it is. Had the, had the PA system, but just didn't bother turning it on. That's fine. I can, I can, my voice it's can reach the those, back of the room. One of those trumpet loudspeaker <laughs> things. Anyway, he was coming to speak to Scottish Labour's conference and he gave a preview of his speech in which, and I can't remember the words, but he basically compared Scottish nationalism to, in, in other words, wanting independence to racism and that that was oh that was incredibly ill-judged i couldn't believe they'd done that i i personally felt really hurt as did many people i mean he's since gone back on that and saying that's not what he meant and he changed his speech but he'd already tweeted it out yeah um and uh, i've heard all sorts of rumors like an asarwar had written it for him <laughs> which would not surprise me um but if he did i don't think he'd be very pleased because he's not had a good response to that but my um my favorite response uh, was from graham my partner so graham uh said something like so sad Sadiq Khan is claiming Scottish nationalism's racist well this now what was it said this London-born Jamaican Afro-Scot Ouija SNP approved candidate begs to differ <laughs> and uh, he got well so far he's had about 800 retweets and a thousand likes I've never had anything like that he had about 100 <laughs> followers now he's got he's got 600 or something um, but he also he was loving it because he had people uh, replying and saying this is the epitome of cool if um, if a if a uh, an Afro-Scot Ouija Jamaican was standing in my ward, I would definitely <laughs> be voting for him. And somebody had, it was quite funny, somebody tweeted him and said, is it racist if I read that out in a Caribbean accent, in a West Indian accent? <laughs> and Graham responded to him saying, no, that it wasn't, that was fine. But he did it in Jamaican Patois, so I haven't a clue what he said because... <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know if I'm, I'm I know. lost already. So it's quite funny, so it set off quite a bit of banter, <laughs> but I think it actually said it all. 
um, it said it all that, you know, why would somebody, so Graham's got an English accent, he is Jamaican, he is black, he is a Rastafarian, he is also considers himself Scottish and he's definitely a Ouija, he's lived here 15 years and the SNP have approved him as a candidate and hopefully he'll be selected but we'll just need to wait until the 7th of March to see if that will happen uh, and this is my podcast so I can plug him. Plug. Um, <laughs> that's it, plugged away. Yeah. Uh, and as I'm sitting here, an SNP umbrella has just gone past the window. That's... Well, that's nice. Sorry. Anyway, so, um, yeah, if somebody like that joins the SNP and is committed to the SNP to want to stand in an election, I think Sadiq Khan knows that he's got it wrong and he does know. I think he needs to apologise, though. He said he didn't mean it like that, but he needs to apologise. Someone, um, obviously, people then start to find out inconsistencies in Sadiq Khan and I think someone found he was congratulating Pakistan on the, on the day of their founding, the anniversary day of their founding. And you think, he's congratulating Pakistan. Now, I don't want to wade into Indian-Pakistan kind of politics, but the, the establishment of Pakistan was very much around a sort of ethnic and religious divide mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So he's very happy with that. And good luck to Pakistanis. It's great. They've got their country. Brilliant. Happy for them. But he's very happy with a sort of mono-block, you know, oh, religious yeah. Group, but a Scottish civic nationalism with people like Graham covering, you know, mm. so, so many different kind of identities. And but we we are somehow a bit iffy. <laughs> and and if you just look at our Glasgow council elections, so we have got so we've got Graham. This is a, as approved candidates. We've got Kurdish, uh, Irish, Pakistani, and Nigerian approved candidates. So it's not just Graham; it's a whole load of them. Yes, you're absolutely right. But they are renowned for their hypocrisy on this. I remember years ago when I was an MSP being asked to go to a dinner in Newton Mearns, I think it was, to celebrate Indian independence. And Jim Murphy was speaking at it and he was so passionate about how independence had freed India to become the powerhouse that it was becoming, the fastest growing economy in the world at the time and all the rest of it. And I just sat there thinking, what? Actually, I didn't just think it. I could not help myself from, uh, you know, uttering mm -hmm. certain words. Um, but you get that all the time. They will celebrate anybody's independence, but the idea of Scotland being independent. But that brings us to the end of another episode of Parliamental. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can contact us on Twitter at Parliamental Pod, Facebook, search for Parliamental, and via email at parliamentalpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if you like the show. Um, and I'll be back in a fortnight. But in between then, there's a lot of campaigning going on. So if you're in Deniston, Easter, all those sorts of areas in the East, mm -hmm. um, just check the Proven SNP Facebook page yep. or Anne McLaughlin's uh, Facebook page and stuff, and you'll see what campaigns you can get involved in. Yep. And I'm off out to Canvas in Springburn, and then Rob Royce and then I'm going to come home and uh, sleep for 100 years maybe clean or something ugh, ugh. <laughs> maybe not maybe do not do more canvassing it'll be more fun <laughs> anyway Anna I'll be back in a fortnight so thanks for listening everyone bye bye